are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Thank you, Erica, for reading. So you notice we have paused the Gospel of Mark, and that is due to a special guest who's with us today. It's National Foster Care Awareness Month in May. And so typically this time of year, we have our friends and partners in ministry, the Real Hope Project, come and spend some time with us. This year, we have the added bonus of having Casey Stanley open God's Word with us and share the message. And so I want to introduce Casey to you, friend over the past decade in ministry, and delighted that she's with us. She is the director and founder of the Real Hope Project. Casey and her husband, Pete, love three things, Jesus, kids, and stories. And they'd been dreaming about how to change the narrative around adopting from foster care, especially within the church, for a long time. So in the spring of 2016, the Stanleys were inspired by a ministry called America's Kids Belong. And they started dreaming about telling the stories of Minnesota's waiting kids. Five months later, the Real Hope Project was born. In 2019, Casey and Pete adopted their first son, whom they met through the Real Hope Project. It's our privilege as a church community to support the Real Hope Project monthly with our tithes and offerings. And if you would join me, please, in giving a warm welcome to Casey. Thanks, Pastor Bjorn. Good morning. Well, like Pastor Bjorn said, my name is Casey Stanley. I know many of you here this morning, many familiar faces through all kinds of connections to this community. Like Pastor Bjorn mentioned, I'm the founder and director of the Real Hope Project. I'll get to share a little bit about that ministry a little bit later on this morning. But Pastor Bjorn and I worked together at Central Lutheran Church down the street over the course of a couple of years, and so it's just so fun to see many faces I recognize. A little bit about me. This is a picture of my family. This bearded stud on the right is my husband, Pete. You can call him Petey Pie if you ever meet him. On the left is our son, Martez. We call him Tez. Tez is the coolest 15-year-old you'll ever meet. And then that little tiny one is our daughter, Tyka Friday Stanley. We call her My Girl Friday. Oh, another one. How did that get in there? Whoopsies. I guess we have to look at it. (laughs) Those are my kids. They're the coolest. That's the Stan Clan. We call ourselves the Stan Clan. We adopted Tez two years ago out of foster care. And then about a year later, a little over a year later, we had our daughter Taika in just this last August. So we added two kids to our family in less than a year and a half. And it has been insane. <laughs> like awesome, wouldn't change a thing, but insanity. And now that we have two kids, I feel I'm like flabbergasted anew at how anybody gets to church on time. (laughs) So kudos to you guys for being here this morning. Now, if you're like me, sometimes after a chaotic morning, you get to church for a while, maybe your brain is kind of playing catch up. And I find it's helpful to just like 
kind of take a beat and remember where we are in this moment, everything that we're kind of carrying with us into this moment, in the context that we find ourselves in. And I don't think you would disagree with the statement that we have been, as a society, in a desert season over these last 15 months. We have been in a desert season over this last year. And in the desert tends to be where divisions happen, right? Like nobody was complaining to Moses when the Egyptian slave owners were all washed into the sea, right? The Israelites were pretty unified as they were marching out of Egypt together. But when they got to the desert, that's when the cracks started to form, right? That's when the divisions started to happen. And I think we're seeing that even in our culture right now. In the desert seasons is when division begins to happen. And we have been in a desert season this last year. And before we dive in this morning, I just want to acknowledge that there are probably a lot of different opinions in the room about these last 15 months that we've had and everything that's transpired in this last year or so. And as I thought about it, I realized that even though we might all have, every person in this room might have a different interpretation of everything that's happened over this last year, we all felt the same things. All of us during this desert season have felt scared and sad and angry about everything that has been going on. And so whether we agree or not on all of the interpretations of everything that's happened, our hearts can be unified. Every heart here has been battered over this last year. Every heart here has felt scared and mad and sad. And so as followers of Jesus, we get to be unified in that. We can have compassion for one another in that. But regardless, let's be honest, we have been in a desert season. And one of the things that came up for me personally in this last year or so is this continual struggle that I've had in understanding what it looks like to trust God in the midst of the desert. Because I'll be honest— For a long time, for a lot of my life, I've had a hard time understanding how I could trust God and understand that bad things could happen to me. To me, sometimes those two things were like these incompatible truths. And a lot of times when I would say, I trust you, Lord, what I was really saying was, I trust you, Lord, that you will keep me from bad things. I trust you, Lord, that you will protect me from fear, that you will protect me from pain that you'll protect me even from discomfort. But the older I get, the more I realize that that is a weird thing to think as a follower of Jesus. All I have to do is look at Jesus on the cross to realize that God never promised to keep me from pain. Followers of Jesus experience the same pain as everybody else, as we've seen over this last year. I have a friend named Callie. Callie and I met our senior year of college, and then we lived together for a summer after we graduated. And Callie is one of my favorite people in the world. She's one of those people where, like, we met and we just clicked immediately. I love this woman. She's super funny. She's super creative. She's whip smart. She's passionately in love with Jesus. And for this one year that Callie and I were friends, we were super tight. We hung out all the time. 
But after we graduated, we lived together for about three months, and then Callie got married, and she moved to California, and she got involved with Bethel Music out in California. Callie went on to write the song Ever Be. Some of you might know that song, Your Praise Will Ever Be On My Lips, Ever Be. Do you know that one? That's my friend Callie. She wrote that song. About three years ago, Callie wrote another song that goes like this. You are my ecosystem. You are the air I'm breathing. In the endless wasteland, you are my rushing fountain. You are my ecosystem, no matter what the weather. You are my better option, no matter what I'm facing. You are water from the rock, and I'll thirst no more. You hold up my arms when I'm battle-torn. Oasis within me, you are the oasis within me. You are colors in the sky after 40 rains, In the thick of the night, you're the break of day, oasis within me. You are the oasis within me. You are water from the rock, and I'll thirst no more. That language, water from the rock, comes from the story that many of us know in the Old Testament where the Israelites were in the desert place. And the Israelites have been wandering in the desert for 40 years. And if anybody knew that bad things happen, it was the Israelites. They had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They were wandering in the desert for another 40 years. No Israelite would have had any delusions about never experiencing bad things. Their whole history as a nation had been a lot of bad things. So the Israelites come and they're complaining to Moses. And they're saying, you never should have taken us out of Egypt. We should have stayed there. It would have been better to be slaves than to watch our kids die of thirst in the desert. And Moses goes and he's crying out to God. And God tells Moses to go and speak to a rock in a barren desert. And he tells Moses, speak to this rock and water is going to flow out of it. So Moses does. He goes and speaks to the rock, and he hits the rock, and water starts flowing from a rock in the desert place. I wonder what it looked like if it was a river, if it was like a fire hydrant shooting into the sky. Water in the middle of a desert flows out of a rock. I'm going to read these words that Callie wrote one more time. You are my ecosystem. You are the air I'm breathing. In the endless wasteland... You are my rushing fountain. You're my ecosystem, no matter what the weather. You're my better option, no matter what I'm facing. You are water from the rock, and I'll thirst no more. You hold up my arms when I'm battle-torn. Oasis within me, you are the oasis within me. You are colors in the sky after 40 rains. In the thick of the night, you're the break of day. Oasis within me. You are the oasis within me. About a year after my friend Callie wrote those words, her two-year-old daughter died in her sleep. Baby Olive. No warning sign. No signal. Olive went to sleep one night and didn't wake up. Talk about a desert place. Callie is a woman whose walk with Jesus I have always wanted to emulate. She's like a hero of the faith in my mind. I adore this woman 
And last year I heard about her daughter and I just wept with my phone in my hands. And two nights after baby Olive died, I watched on my little screen as my friend Callie stood up on a stage in her church in California and she sang, All hail King Jesus. All hail the Lord of heaven and earth. All hail King Jesus. I watched her sing on that stage not 48 hours after her daughter did not wake up, and I knew that there was something in Callie that could not be broken, that there was an oasis in her that could not be dried up, that there was a roaring lion in her heart that would not be stamped down, that she had no delusions about a pain-free life, but that she had tapped in to the oasis within her, and in her spirit, she was resting with Jesus, drinking gulps of living water in the midst of the desert place. My friend Callie knows how to find Jesus in the desert place. She knows that there is an oasis within her that supernaturally equips her to lead others to Jesus as well. In the midst of her desert place, she stood up and led others to Jesus. 1 Corinthians was read for us this morning, and that in the New Testament references the story of the Israelites in the desert. Erica read this for us, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Now, Paul wrote these words 1,500 years after the Israelites were in the desert. There was 1,500 years between Moses and Jesus. And Paul is saying that Jesus was there even then. 1,500 years earlier, that rock was Christ. That Jesus was there in the desert with the Israelites 1,500 years before Jesus was walking the planet. Because Jesus has been at the site of every moment of pain throughout history. He has been there offering an oasis within you for every heartbreak, every dropped bomb, every skinned knee from the beginning of time. Jesus is the living water that shows up in places he should not be. In the desert for a starving community and in the hospital room for your dying loved one. And in the doctor's office when you get that diagnosis. And on your kid's bus when there's a bully at school. And in your hard conversations, in your marriage, and in your fear about your finances. You have access to living water, an oasis within you every time you look up and find yourself in a desert. Jesus is there. Offering living water in your place of pain. Jesus never promised that pain would not happen. In fact, his very resurrection is a promise that it will happen, that pain and death and fear and trials will come for us, but we serve a God who cannot be beaten and will not abandon us to the grave. It is a reminder that he will be with us and that he will use that very desert place to bring an oasis to a dry and weary world. As I watched Callie lead others in worship that night, I realized that as we recognize Jesus as the oasis within us, we become supernaturally equipped to become an oasis to a world in the desert. 
That is what we as the church have always been called to be, an oasis in the desert. Every church, every nonprofit, every ministry is doing what they're doing because they saw a desert and chose to become an oasis there. Even if we think of the biggest nonprofits that we've all heard of, the Red Cross, the Salvation Army, the Union Gospel Mission, the YMCA, these were started because followers of Jesus saw a desert and knew that God had equipped them to be an oasis there. I get to see this every day in the work we do with the Real Hope Project. We've all been in a desert season this last year, but if I had to choose one group of people who had been in like the most deserty of desert seasons, it would be kids in foster care in Minnesota. Because in the times that all we had was our home and our family, everything else was shut down, everything else was taken away, all we had was home and family, and these kids didn't even have that. The kids we work with in the Real Hope Project, kids in the foster care system in Minnesota, are like the Israelites. They have no delusions about a pain-free life. They have no expectation that life is going to be easy and good. But as followers of Jesus, we are called to bring an oasis to the most desert places. Jesus becomes an oasis within us so that we can become an oasis to others. And that is what adoption is to me. To me, adoption is this oasis in the desert place. It's the meeting of these two things that don't seem like they should fit together, water and a rock, this unthinkable pain that these kids have been through, and this unimaginable love that we get to share through Jesus. And the church, since our inception, what we have done is we step into that tension. We step into that tension of unthinkable pain with unimaginable love. We step into that tension of being an oasis in the desert place, bringing water from a rock as Jesus empowers us. So I want to share a video this morning that I think really illustrates how the church has done this in the world of foster care and adoption since the very beginning. And some of you might have seen this video when Real Hopes first started the first time we were here in 2016. We shared a similar video. We recently had a chance to totally redo it at a new level. So check this out and pay attention to the ways that we kind of share how the church has stepped in to these places of pain. In the ancient world, there were children on the hills. Children who could not be cared for by their families, whether because of financial burden, sickness, or disability, or simply because she was a girl at a time when girls were not valued. Families had the option of taking their child to the hills. And when they got to the hillside, they would lay their child on the ground and walk away, knowing and intending that within minutes, hours, or days, this child would be a victim of the elements. There were children on the hills. This was not a rarity. This was not a scandal. In the ancient world, this was common, accepted, and expected. And then came Jesus. The church began sending search parties to head for the hills. These search parties would sweep through the hillside, looking for children who had been left behind. When they found one, 
they would bring them home and adopt them into their new family. four cannot go home. That means there are 100,000 kids on the hillside. 100,000 kids are waiting for someone to come for them. 100,000 kids are waiting for a search party. We are that search party. It's time again. A movement is rising. There are children in the house. as we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. The church is called to be a bridge between these two worlds of unthinkable pain and unimaginable love, an oasis in the desert. And kids in foster care in Minnesota are in a desert. Some of you have heard these statistics before. It's estimated that up to 80% of people in our prison systems in the United States have one thing in common. They were once in foster care. 80% of women who are sex trafficked in the United States have one thing in common. They were once in foster care. 20% of kids who age out of foster care become immediately homeless the day after they turn 18. Two-thirds of the girls who age out of foster care without being adopted into a family will be pregnant by the time they're 21. And two-thirds of those babies will end up right back in foster care. These kids are in the desert. And some of them have been in the desert for generations. Many of the kids we meet are from parents who grew up in foster care. These kids are in the desert, but what they don't know is that Jesus has been with them the whole time. That there is an oasis for their souls that's waiting for them. Since we started the Real Hope Project about four and a half years ago, Real Hope has made videos for 238 kids And we have so far seen 117 of those kids get matched with forever families. And to me, it's the most beautiful picture of Jesus showing up in the desert place, of making water appear where it should not be. There are a thousand kids right now in Minnesota who are waiting to be adopted. In foster care, the goal is reunification with biological families. Hopefully, kids go into foster care and mom and dad get back on their feet get a full-time job, find stable housing, go through rehab, do whatever it is that they need to do, and hopefully kids get to go back home. But for a thousand kids in our state, going home is not an option. Parental rights have been terminated. And those are the kids the Real Hope Project works with. I want to introduce you to one of those 1,000 kids right now. This is my new friend, Josh. I like to wrestle and play football. That's one of my hobbies I like to do. I can't sit still, I gotta do something. Or I like to do like 
don't know, working with tools like building stuff and, you know, get my hands moving or something. Uh, one of my favorite things to do, uh, well, I like to draw. I'm working on a painting right now. It has these numbers you have to follow and fill them with the colors. I'm working on the wolf, it's looking pretty good, I like it. I like listening to music, you know, it depends what kind of music I'm in, but I like listening to music. What would be famous for is probably, probably just say wrestling, i say, say a one Olympic gold or something. Probably like the coach, be like an assistant coach or something for a sports team or be a firefighter or something. And I like helping people be there for people. Most proud of just me, you know, working hard to change myself. Realize I got older, like, gotta change myself and, you know, I found a good family that helps me and stuff. So, I've been working hard in sports and making a name for myself around here going to practices and training camps over the summer. I met some good people from, uh, from different colleges and I started working so next you know I got better and made varsity in ninth grade. I'll say the best gift I've ever received is probably, probably a diary. Just, it's like a book that I write in stuff probably everyone. I like to write so I like to write a lot of stuff. Got that from my foster mom. I'm a good kid. I'm a super hard worker on what I do. A little bit funny. Uh, I like to help people. It's safe. If anybody needs help, I'm the first one there to help or ask them if they need help. What makes someone a close friend? Uh, they're always by me or they know how I feel or we have a like, good bond together. You know, we have the same things in common or something. I have a lot of friends with a uh, wrestling team, football team, so we have a lot of stuff in common. So. Hi, my name is Josh. I'm 17 years old, and this is my reel. <laughs>
Maybe you're called to be a foster home, a temporary place of healing. Maybe you're called to get involved with one of our partner ministries that supports struggling birth moms before their kids end up in foster care. So if you're not called to adopt, then pray about swimming upstream. And lastly, give. This church has been one of our partner churches since we first started as an organization. This church has been incredibly generous in the work of finding forever families for these kids. And many of the families here, many of you individually, are already supporters. If you're not, we would love for you to consider becoming a monthly giver or a one-time giver as an individual or as a family. The Real Hope Project travels around the state to make these videos of kids like Josh. We travel around the state to share them, and we can only do that because of the generosity of people like you. Our goal is to make a video like Josh's for every kid in our state who's waiting for a family until we find a forever family for every kid. So this number is going to come up. I'm going to ask everybody to just take out your phone right where you're sitting. Even if you're not going to text, just humor me and grab your phone. (laughs) Grab your phone and open up a text message to this phone number, 833-756-2038. Adopt, upstream, or give. Choose one of those three words if any of those three connect with you. If any of those three words connect with you, adopt, upstream, or give. Go ahead and text into that line. And then all it's going to do is it's going to send you a prompt. It's going to ask for your name and your email address. And then we'll just send you an email with a little bit more information about whatever word you texted in. So you're not like signing your life away right now. There won't be like a kid on your doorstep in the morning. This is just a way to get a little bit more information. Adopt, upstream, or give. And then follow the prompts. You and I have living water inside of us at every moment. Jesus is an oasis within us water from the rock in the desert place. And when our culture is in the desert, as it is now, that's when we get to come alive. That's when we as followers of Jesus become an oasis to the world. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this community. Thank you for the ways that you are working here and the ways that the Y Church is so invested in the work that they're doing. God, I pray for each family and individual that is here. We just pray that you would highlight so clearly the ways that you are leading us to be an oasis in the desert. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would supernaturally empower us when we're in the desert ourselves, that we would find living water in the craziest places as we connect with you, Jesus. And I pray, God, against fear, against guilt, against anything that would lead us to step into this other than joyful obedience to what your Holy Spirit is leading us to do. And I just ask blessing, God, on this community as we respond in joyful obedience. God, make us an oasis in the desert place. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.